Today as we kick off a sermon series from Revelation, beginning in chapter 1, talking about a look at the Garum, we're going to be talking about the seven churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. I encourage you to take God's Word with you and open it up, and we'll follow along from chapter 1 today. Looking at the groom today, if you're going to think about the bride, you want to think about the groom, and we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty much every day of my life is pretty routine. It's just about the same. I get up at the same time every morning. I generally do my devotion at the same time every day where I'm in the Word and praying. I eat breakfast at the same time every morning. I leave the house just about the same time every morning. I try to get to the study where I can pray and study the Word some more, basically the same time every day. Very, uh, It's a habit for me because I want to do those things with routine but also with conviction. Uh, most mornings as well, I'm going to take just a few moments to look at the local news because I want to see what's going on in the world and what's going on in our community. Uh, generally, it's who's got shot last and because uh, there's so much violence around us. And so I'm able to look at the local news because I want to see what the lead story is on, on the news. Sometimes I'll look at the golf channel and see what's going on in the golf world as well and to see what kind of drama is happening among golfers in our day. So I'm just looking to see what is the lead story on those two things. Let me ask you this morning. So we look at Revelation 1 today. We're talking about the groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the lead story of this church? I could say many things. Ains and I are on the verge of celebrating three years of ministry with you. That's significant for us and for you. I could look and say we're communicating vision for the faith building for the future as God gives us leadership. That's significant. I could talk about the repairs that are taking place around our campus and on our facility from the steeple getting repaired to paint going on walls to new carpet being put down. Those are significant as we do that. We could talk about the people who are being baptized and we could go through a lot of things. You could say that'd be a great lead story. What I want you to see today from Revelation 1 as we get into this and then the seven churches in Asia Minor, the lead story in our church always, the lead story in our church always is Jesus Christ. Always. Yeah. I praise the Lord for that. Always. As I think about that, as I walk through Revelation 1 and understanding of who he is, The Holy Spirit has been using John chapter 21 in my life over the last number of days just to draw me near to him, but also to even convict me when in John 21, beginning in verse 15, they'd finished breakfast. Simon was going to have a conversation with Simon Peter, and here's what he asked him. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Very personal question. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon gave him an answer as well. And then he said, tend my sheep. And then he asked him a third time, do you love me? And then he came back and he said, feed my sheep. As I think about those questions to Simon, Peter, I think about those questions to me. And let me give you just three statements. They're not on the outline, but they're true to my heart. And the Holy Spirit's been using John 21 to draw me near to him to even deal with these questions. But first question is, I want to love Jesus Christ. I don't want the Son of God and Savior of the world, the one who saved me, I'm born again, the one who redeemed me. I don't ever want him to question whether I love him or not. Ronnie, do you love me? Absolutely, Jesus. I love you with everything I have. Let me ask you in your life, do you love Jesus with all of your life? Does he ever question whether you love him or not? 
by your behaviors, by your priorities, by your way of life? Does he ever say, I'm just not sure if he or she loves me the way that, that I want him or her to? Do you love Jesus Christ? Second thing out of John 21, the Holy Spirit's been using in my life is I want to make sure that I serve the Lord's people well. He said, tend my sheep. I don't ever want to manipulate you. I don't ever want to mislead you. As the Holy Spirit gives direction, I want to shepherd you. As I follow the good shepherd, as the under shepherd, I want to shepherd you with character, integrity, and vision. I want us to experience the nearness of Christ. I want us to know the will of God. And I want us to do everything we do for the glory of God as well. I don't ever want to mislead you or manipulate you. And then the third thing, I want to feed you as his sheep. And what that means is those who are new believers, I want to give you the milk of the word. Those who are more mature in your walk with Christ, I want to give you the meat of the word. I want to have times where I'm praying and studying God's word and I want to come to this pulpit with a fresh word from God each and every opportunity God gives me. I want to love Christ, want to shepherd you well, and I want to feed you as the people of God, his word. That's what he was asking Simon Peter where you've been asking me in my life, and I pray as we lean into Revelation 1, we're going to understand who the groom is and what he wants from you and me. Let me ask you this. Do you love him? Are you walking faithful to him? And are you serving him the way he wants you to? Last week, Angel and I, again, we were some vacation time, and we appreciate your kindness in that we were in Scotland. And I want you to look at this picture. We were in St. Andrews one day, and as a golfer, If you can ever play the old course at St. Andrews, that's a bucket list item. God opened the door to be able to do that. I'm coming in on hole 18. My caddy there, his name is Sam. He's a young guy. He's a golfer. He plays on the University of Aberdeen golf team. And for 18 holes at that point, I've been seeking to share the gospel with him all the way around the course. He was a very kind, respectful young man. But as I'm walking back in, hitting back in, that's my ball right there. It's the drive, which I'm super proud of that. So coming back into St. Andrews, you see the hotel. You see other stores on the right side. But on the left side, you'll see something that probably most golfers who are coming in on the 18th hole really pay no attention to. But for me, it really challenged me as I was walking back in on the 18th hole, really back into the town of St. Andrews. You see a monument there on the left side, not not as big as a hotel, but you see a monument. And what is that called? It is called the Martyrs Monument. Back in the in the 1500s, the Scottish Reformation, much of it happened in the town of St Andrews. There were four individuals who were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave everything of their lives to Christ, and those four individuals. They, they were killed. Some of them were burned at the stake, but they were killed because of their relationship and their commitment and their, their surrender to Jesus Christ. And that monument has been in St. Andrews. It's called the Martyr's Monument because these four individuals gave their lives for Jesus Christ. And so as you're walking back into town of St. Andrews, walking up this historic old course golf course, you're walking up the 18th fairway. You see the beautiful picture before you, but then you see the Martyr's Monument monument right there before you as well, testifying these men who gave their lives for Jesus. I'm walking up the 18th hole. Here's my drive, and Sam's right there with me, but as I'm walking up looking at this monument, questions before me, they're saying, now, Ronnie, are you living for me the way that I want you to? 
Are you serving me the way that I want you to? And then here was the big question. What is your relationship with me costing you? What about you? Are you living for Christ? Are you serving him? What is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ costing you? Because if we're going to be all in and we're going to follow the groom who is the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to serve him with total surrender, it is going to cost you and me in this life. What is it costing you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And I understand when I was walking up that fairway, Lord Jesus, I don't want to be casual. I don't want to be nominal. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be an all-in surrendered servant of yours. What is it costing you to be a follower of Christ? From there, I've given you four words. I want you to write these words down, four words to consider. We see these not only in our country, but in countries around the world. The first word is hope. There are many people who live life and they just feel hopeless in life. Nothing ever goes their way. No breaks in life. Nothing's ever going to work out good for them. They just feel hopeless in life. Is that your story this morning? You walk into this building or you're watching somewhere around the world and you look at your life and you just feel hopeless in this life. Revelation 1 has a word for you. Second word is gratefulness. Truth of the matter is we're living in a nation, we're living in a world that is rather ungrateful. Uh, you just be around people and you used to see how ungrateful they are. We used to say thank you. We used to express words of gratitude. We very seldom ever hear those words and those expressions anymore, but gratefulness. Third word is forgiveness. We, we live in a world, again, where unforgiveness is rampant, even among the body of Christ. Somebody hurts us, wounds us, or we do that to someone else, and we go along with this cancer of unforgiveness in our lives. Forgiveness is a big issue, as we see in Revelation 1. And then the fourth word is the word growth. As we think about growth, he wants us to grow in our relationship to Christ. He wants you to grow in your relationship to him. He wants me to grow in my relationship with him. But also he wants our church to grow in relationship to him. And if you're growing as a believer in Christ, I'm growing as a believer in him, then the church is going to grow in Christ as well. Because these buildings, as nice as they are, this is not the church. You and I are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the ones who have been born again. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and me. And we are the ones who are his servants, carrying the gospel literally to the ends of the earth. He wants us to grow. And according to Acts chapter 9, verse 31, he wants us to grow spiritually, but also he wants us to grow numerically. And so when you look at your life, are you growing? When we think about this church, are we growing? Revelation 1 has something to say about those things, about being hopeful, also about being grateful, but also forgiveness, but also growth. Now, as you think about this, when you come to the book of Revelation, I'd encourage you to write these three words down. They're going to become important over the next number of weeks as we walk through this. When you look at the book of Revelation, one word is revelation. And it's not revelations, it's revelation. One of the common mistakes of the last book of the Bible is we call that revelation. It's revelations. It's not revelations, it's revelation, singular. So revelation is one. Second word is going to be evaluation. He's going to evaluate these seven churches in Asia Minor, Turkey in our day. And then the third word is invitation because he's going to invite them to make a decision, to come back to him, to repent of sin, or keep doing what you've been doing. It's an invitation. 
So over this sermon series, we are going to focus on revelation because it's the word of God. We are going to focus on evaluation. Who are we as a church, but also as individual believers? And then what is the Holy Spirit inviting us to do as his people? Someone who's born again, someone who doesn't even know Christ. What is he inviting you to do? So we're looking at revelation, evaluation, and invitation. Now, as we look at Revelation 1, I want you to walk through this. Experience Jesus in the scriptures. It says in the beginning, and it says just simply the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as we think about that, we look at the end, this is the word of God. And I just scan my study at home, but also here in the church office. I don't even know how many Bibles I have in the study. I mean, it's hard to even count them. I have so many different languages all over the world, but Bibles. How many Bibles do you have? So we have access to God's word, experience Jesus in the scriptures, the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is he saying to us through his inerrant word? So as I think about this, I want to say today and give you an invitation if you're in this room and you're here and you don't have a Bible, you don't have a copy of God's word, if you will stop at one of the concourses or or one of the connect centers after this in the concourse, we would love to give you a copy of God's word. This will be our gift to you as we give you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd love to give you a copy of God's word if you don't have one. So if you'll stop at one of the Connect Centers today on the concourse, it'd be our gift to you. We would love to do that for you. So as we think about the Word of God, let me ask you this. In the last seven days of your life, not the last month, not even the last year, but the last seven days of your life, how many days have you opened God's Word to spend time with Him in the Scriptures? How many days has it been for you? I want to encourage you. I'm going to come back and give you a challenge in just a moment. I encourage you every single day of your life, be in the scripture, in the word of God. Make sure God's word is feeding you in your life. Experience Jesus in the scriptures. Look at the first word, process. How did we get the revelation of Jesus Christ? How did this come about? Well, the Bible tells us that. It says this, that he made it known to us by sending his angel to servant John, who bore witness and ultimately we got it. So here's how it started. God, his angel, his servant John, and ultimately to you and to me. That is the process. Again, when we look at the book of Revelation, this is the word of God. It is inerrant, it is infallible, it is authoritative. This is God's word to you and me. That's the process. Look at number two, the purpose. What is the purpose of the book of Revelation? Sometimes you say, well, I don't understand it, and that's true for all of us. There are a lot of symbols. What does this mean? What does this not mean? But what is the purpose of this book? And he gives us insight to that. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So God has given us a glimpse of what's going to take place into the future. And then he gives this in, in chapter 1, verse 3. He, and I alluded to that in just a moment ago. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. He says, if you deal with the book of Revelation, the prophecy I'm giving you, what's going to take place, if you hear that and you read that and you obey that, you are going to be a blessed individual and a blessed church as well. So we want to be those individuals. Why did he give us the purpose? So that we would be blessed in life. And then let me give you one more, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. This is really the theme verse, the purpose of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 19, he's saying again to his servant John, write, again, the Holy Spirit's giving him inspiration, insight, write, therefore, the things that you have seen. That's past tense. 
John, what you've seen, I want you to write that. And then the second challenge there, not what only have you seen, but those that are, what is currently taking place, I want you to write that. And then the third thing here he says is, and those that are to take place after this, it's past, present, and future. I want you to break this down. You can write this somewhere on your outline. When you look at the book of Revelation, it's really in three parts. Things that you have seen, that is Revelation 1. Things that are Revelation 2 and 3. And then things that are to come, Revelation 4 through Revelation 22. So that is a general outline of the book of Revelation. Things that were, that's Revelation 1, this is what he's showing me. Things that are to these seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And then things that are going to come, Revelation 4 through 22. Those are things that you're going to see. Write these things, make them known so that people are going to be able to read them and be blessed and see what's going to happen. That is the purpose. Now here's the challenge. If you're going to see Jesus and experience him in the scriptures, you have to open God's word in your life. If we're going to worship God and love people and share Jesus and make disciples, then we cannot do that with closed Bibles. We have to open the word of God and see Jesus Christ in the living word. Now, let me ask you this. First, as individual believers, I want to challenge you in your walk with Christ. Over the next seven days, not 70 days, not seven months from now, but over the next seven days, will you make a commitment in your walk with Jesus that you will open God's word every single day for the next seven days and experience the Lord Jesus Christ in the scriptures? I can't even begin to tell you over the last 35 years how my walk with Christ has been enriched has been challenging but changing when I've opened God's word every single day of my life for the last 35 years. Will you open God's word at least once every, every day for the next seven days? Connect groups. If we're going to make disciples, we must, again, get in groups together and study the word of God together. I want to encourage you as a connect group. Whether it's preschool, kids, students, adults, whatever age you may be teaching and leading, your connect group teacher, connect group leader, I want to encourage you in your connect group, it's great to have food, it's great to have conversation, but I pray the majority of your time in your connect group is you are studying and digesting the word of God in your connect group. Let that be the, the priority of your time is that, God, we're opening your word because we want to be blessed and we are studying your word. Again, that's true from beginning to end. Make sure as a connect group, God's word is central to who you are and what you're doing on Sundays, Wednesdays, or whenever your group meets. And then third, for us on this platform, whether we're singing songs or preaching sermons or whatever we may be doing, we must make sure that the word of God is foundational to everything that we're doing on this platform. It's not for entertainment. It's not because of the spotlights. It's because we desire to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world who gave his life for us. We need to make sure that we are singing songs, preaching sermons, sharing life together, and it's based upon the truths of the Word of God as a church and even us who are on this platform. It's the Word of God. 
And so I just want to challenge you when we do that, what's what's the promise? He says you're going to be blessed. Please understand when you're talking about being blessed, it's not simply the blessings of this world. But I believe when we focus on the word of God the way he wants us to, we're going to be individuals who go through life with hope. We're going to be individuals who go through life with gratitude. We're going to be individuals who go through life with a forgiving spirit. And we're going to be individuals who go through life growing the way God wants us to grow in a Christian life. We're going to be blessed individuals. Experience Jesus in the scriptures. Number two, declare Jesus as the Savior. Now, as you think about John's relationship with Jesus, let me say this, and you may want to write this down. I believe John's relationship with Jesus, again, is one of his inner circle, one of his apostles, somebody who watched Jesus, John the Beloved. John's relationship with Jesus was the real thing. Can anybody tell me you remember what happened on April 23rd, 1985? Uh, I can still remember when I first got this. Coca-Cola Company made a change. They switched the, the real thing to the new Coke. Anybody remember that? Some of you don't even know what 1985 was about. But in 1985, the Coca-Cola Company said, we're going to substitute the real thing for a new Coke. Well, that didn't last long because on July 10th, 1985, guess what Coca-Cola did? They switched back to the real thing again. That was a wise move for them. But when you look at John, you're going to look at an individual's relationship with Christ, and it was a real thing. But here's what I want to challenge us with. So we look at Revelation 1, thinking about the groom, as he's getting ready to speak into these seven churches. You need to make sure that you don't substitute things for the real thing in your relationship with him. What do I mean by that? I want to give you three of these, and here's some of the substitutes that we often do Instead of focusing on the real thing, here's some stuff. Number one, involvement over intimacy. Does he want us involved in the work of ministry? Yes, he does. He saved us. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. He's left us here so that we would serve. But please understand this. Your involvement in ministry should never, never be greater than your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Here's the challenge. Here's the possibility for those of us in this room, even in my own life. We can get so busy doing things for Jesus, ministry things. Here's what can happen. Our ministries can get larger and larger and larger, but our hearts get smaller and smaller and smaller. Don't don't substitute involvement for intimacy. I was years ago pastor up north pastoring one of the largest churches in America. I was sitting with him in his chapel one day and he was teaching behind a, a desk and, and we were sitting on the front row and there, the chapel was full of people. This pastor, again, who's not in ministry today, but again, thousands of people were coming to their campus, not only just on the weekends, but when they would have conferences for church leaders, there'd be thousands and thousands of leaders there, literally from all over the world, who were coming to listen to him, but also his ministry team. And that day in that chapel, this pastor said these words. He said, talked about his church, talked about his ministry, and he said, my ministry is larger and larger and larger. is larger than it ever has been in my life. And then he said these words. He said, even though my ministry is larger than it ever has been in life, my heart is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then he said, there was one day he walked into his study, early morning, He's sitting behind his desk trying to study the word of God. And he said, I was so overwhelmed. I just put my head on the desk and I cried out to the Lord. And I said this, Lord, your work is destroying your work in me. And and that, that man's not in ministry today. 
I want to encourage you, be careful that you don't substitute involvement over intimacy. As John on the Isle of Patmos, again, because of persecution and his relationship to Christ, he goes on to talk about this, and he gives us some insight here about the Lord Jesus Christ that are intimate words for every single one of us in this room or watching around the world. Here's what he says to this. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace you in peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. What does that mean? Who is? He is right now. Who was? He preceded time. Who is to come? One day, Jesus Christ is coming again. The world may deny that. The world may not believe that. But I promise you, Jesus Christ came the first time as a baby born in Bethlehem. He came as a suffering servant, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on an old rugged cross, buried in a tomb, Gloriously on the third day, the stone rolled away, the tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is alive. He ascended back to the Heavenly Father. One day, Jesus Christ is coming again. And he's coming again, not as a suffering servant. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Why? Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. That's what he says in Revelation 1. It goes on to say this about Jesus. It says, from him the seven spirits who are before the throne. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit of God in completeness. The word seven means complete, perfection. That's what we're talking about. He goes on to say there, from Jesus Christ to faithful witness. Hope you know today when you're intimate with him, you know this. He's never going to mislead you. He's never going to lie to you. He's never going to deceive you. He is a faithful witness. And as Jesus Christ is a faithful witness, we need to be faithful witnesses as well. He goes on to say the firstborn of the dead. What does that mean? Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He died, but he was resurrected three days later. Understand this. Other people were resurrected, but they died again. Jesus Christ was resurrected never to die again. He is the firstborn of the dead, and then he is the ruler of the kings on earth. Some politicians need to know that. They're not the ones in control. He's the one in control. They are accountable to him. No matter what your political party may be, they are accountable to the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He is in control. And that's what the book of Revelation is about. Things are to come to realize this. It's not out of control. It is in control because he is in control. Then he goes on to say this. He said, to him who loves us. That is so encouraging for us in this room. He loves us. Understand he loves us so much that he sacrificed and gave his life for us. He loves us so much that his love is unending. He loves us so much that his love is unconditional. You can never do anything that will ever stop him from loving you. So I don't care what kind of mistakes you've made in life, how many times you've blown it, you need to understand from Revelation 1, he loves us, Jesus Christ loves you. He goes on to say, to him who loves us has freed us from our sin by his blood. Church, may we never apologize for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we always lift up the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. To those who are perishing, the cross is foolishness. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so as we think about what he says, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. Thank God that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, went to an old rugged cross and shed his precious blood for your sins and my sins that we could be forgiven and born again. And we could know that we're going to go to heaven, not because of good works, church affiliation, but because of the cross and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. And then he says this. 
He says, and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What does that mean? He made us a kingdom of priests. means we are saved to serve Jesus. We're not saved to sit back and just watch others. We are saved to serve, but also he made us a kingdom of priests. Here's what that means. You have direct access to Jesus Christ in your own life. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for spiritual leaders. But you can confess your sin to him. You can rely on the Holy Spirit to give you insight into God's word. You can serve him and you can talk to him this very day because you have direct access to Almighty God through Jesus Christ because you are a kingdom of priests to serve him and to know him. Revelation chapter 1. So I just want to encourage you. Don't substitute involvement for intimacy he wants you to be intimate with him number two religion over relationship and so as we think about religion religion is what i'm going to do what i must do relationship is here's who jesus is and here's what he's doing in my life don't substitute religion for over relationship he wants a relationship with you when you look in revelation one you see the servant of god john it says he was in the spirit on the lord's day that is a relationship It says, when he saw him, he fell at his feet as though dead. That is a relationship. And as he was on his, on his face before Almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ, as someone who had died, the Bible says the Lord touched him. That is a relationship. If you need the Lord to touch your life, then fall before him and let the the master's hand touch your life and change your life. Don't, don't focus on religion. Focus on relationship. And then number three, comfort over commitment. If we're not careful, we'll look and try to find a comfortable life. Don't do that. Find yourself committed to him. Be like those men in St. Andrews who gave everything to Jesus Christ. Live that kind of life. It's not about how comfortable you can be. It's how committed are you going to be to him. John was committed. He was there because of persecution. He was on the Isle of Patmos because of his relationship with Christ. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't walk away. He didn't moan and groan that it was too difficult. He was faithful to Jesus Christ. Again, comfort. Be committed to him, not simply seeking comfort. Number three, serve Jesus in the spirit. As you look at this text again, you you find here John on different occasions, on four different occasions in the book of Revelation, he says he was going to be in the spirit. So he wasn't serving out of the flesh. He was serving Jesus out of the spirit. Look at number one, identity. Uh, You need to understand who your identity is. And I pray just like John, you understand your identity to be that of a servant. As you look at your life, do you need somebody to give you a robe or you got a towel where you're willing to serve? The Christian life, and we're going to see Revelation 1, and we're going to understand the groom. He has called us not to be consumers. He's not called us to be merely somebody who's going to be entertained. He's called us to be servants. Is that your identity? John was a servant. He said in his passage, he said, I'm a brother, I'm a partner, I'm a servant. That's your identity. And then number two, involvement. He saved you and wants you to be involved in the work of ministry. John was involved in God's kingdom agenda. Are you involved in his work as well? I want you to know these things. He saved you by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He saved you, gifted you, left you here on this earth so that you would serve him. You would be involved in ministry. Again, not over intimacy. Intimacy is first, but but your involvement comes out of your intimacy with Christ. That's exactly what's happening in John's life. He was intimate with Jesus. But he wants you to serve him. 
And I want to say as we go into this fall time in the life of our church, we need individuals who are part of this church family, who are saved, who are born again, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, but also who understand themselves as servants, who are willing to step up and serve Jesus in life. You say, well, where do we need servants at? I'll give you a whole list of things. We need greeters in this church. That when we have guests and people who are coming into our church and gatherings on Sundays and Wednesdays, they find this church helpful and friendly to them. We need you serving as greeters. I look around at preschool and kids and students, great ministries. We need people who are willing to say, let me serve in those ministries. Background checks, ministry safe, other things. But yes, I want to serve Christ. I'd love to serve in preschool. I'd love to serve with kids. I'd love to serve in students. We need people who are serving connect groups. We need more connect group teachers and leaders. We need new connect groups as we go forward because we want to see people in groups studying the word of God together. We need people who are willing to serve in those ministries. The worship ministry, we need more people singing and serving in the worship ministry for the glory of God and making Jesus known. We need more people who are willing to be on mission for Christ who are willing to go locally but also around the world. We've got two good news clubs right here in our city. We need people who are willing to serve in those good news clubs, going into schools, sharing the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need people who are willing to serve. What about you? John was a servant. He served in the Spirit. Now, three words, three questions, and then we're going to... We're going to pray that we're going to sing about following Jesus in life. Look at number one. Do you have a humble attitude? I read a statement the other day and it just caught my attention. I was able to memorize it. It just said pride is the carbon monoxide of the Christian life. Pride is the carbon monoxide of the Christian life. It silently and slowly kills you without you knowing it. Do you have a humble attitude? John was very humble. Can you imagine when John identified himself? He said, I'm a brother, I'm a partner, I'm a servant. He could have said all sorts of things. He could have said, I'm an apostle. He could have said, I'm one of Jesus' inner circle. He could have said, he's given me the insight to write the book of Revelation. He could have said, he just simply said, I'm a brother, I'm a partner, I'm a servant. Very humble attitude. Number two, do you have a servant's heart? Not nominal, not casual, not a consumer, but a servant's heart. God, you saved me, you left me here, let me serve. We'd love to help you serve. Number three, do you have a teachable spirit? Do you come before him and say, oh God, I, I don't know everything. I, my Christian life, I find I, 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 there's more that I don't know than I do know, but I want to continue to have a teachable spirit and teachable heart. What about you? Are you teachable? If you're humble, if you're available, if you're teachable and you have a servant's heart, he will use you in incredible ways. That's the groom as we get ready to look at these seven churches. I want us to bow our heads together as we're going to pray. And, and I want to encourage you today as we pray, when you think about Jesus, he is going to speak to these churches. But I believe he's not only spoken to those churches, I believe he's speaking to you and me today. And I want to encourage you in this room as the Holy Spirit convicts, as the Holy Spirit leads. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you know some facts about him, but you don't know him as your Savior, I pray today is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin, trust him, ask him to save you, that you'd be born again, the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of your life. 
Give your life to Jesus today. I also want to encourage you. You witnessed earlier baptism. Somebody being obedient to Christ. If you're here and you know Christ, it's been a week or it's been a month or it's been a year or it's been 10 years, but you've never followed Jesus in believer's baptism, why not make that decision and obey him? Say yes to him. Surrender your life to him. Church membership. You've been coming to this church for a long time. But but you've never officially made this a part of your family. Why not step out from where you are and walk down one of the aisles today and say, today's the day we're going to join the fellowship of this church. It's great to be connected, and we want to be connected. What else is he asking you to do as you look at your life? Do you love him? Does he question whether you love him or not? Are you faithful in your relationship with him? What's he calling you to do? Is he calling you in ministry? Is he calling you to serve in the life of the church? Just come forward today and let us know that. We want to help you. We want to help facilitate all that God's doing in your life. Come alongside you from the Word of God and help you be all that God wants you to be. You're in the room. You can come forward. You're watching online. You can respond to us on the platform you're watching. But we would love to help you walk faithful to him. and You follow him as as his Holy Spirit is leading you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for evaluation. And now, Lord, we thank you for invitation. And Father, today I pray you will invite us to come to you and surrender. Be obedient. And to make sure that we're not consumers, we're not nominal, we're not casual, but we're surrendered. We're all in. And Lord, let it begin today because Jesus is worthy. So, Father, as we're here in front, we welcome people to respond in the room, those who are watching, because we want to help them in their relationship with you. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.